Skyfish, also known as rods, are cryptozoological entities, often discussed in ufology. Allegedly, skyfish are rod-shaped creatures that fly through the air so fast that we cannot see them with the naked eye. And the only way to see them is to use video cameras. In this footage, skyfish appear as rods with undulating fins on either side, similar to the fins of the cuttlefish. But are they just optical effects of regular insects flying across the scene? Or, as others claim, an as-yet-unknown species of potentially extraterrestrial or interdimensional origin? Join myself and Neil here on Aliens Explored as we delve into this fascinating topic. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Aliens Explored, your weekly podcast looking at all things mysterious skies from beyond the skies from under the sea and in smoke-filled back rooms full of uh, secretive people. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Neil Kelly. And I'm your other host, a not-so-secretive person, uh, Stu Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) So so we're not secretive at all, are we? No, and speaking of which, yesterday, at the time of recording, uh, it was your birthday, so happy birthday, Neil. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now Uh, I'm 64. 64. Blimey, blimey. So back in the day, that would have been one year from retirement. Back in the day, yeah, now that we're (laughs) expected to work until we drop. um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. Actually, it's not that. uh, I think it's uh, I'm I'm two years off retirement now. Oh, right. Two years off state pension. So I think I get it when I'm 66. Okay. It's not so bad. That's not so bad. I think for me it's like when I'm in my 70s or something. Probably, yeah. And isn't it funny how the people who think you should work until you're in your 70s are exactly the same people who won't give you a job once you're beyond 40. Uh, Yes, these are also the people who, generally speaking, retire because they're very, very wealthy at an early age. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, funny that. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, we're not planning on retiring from Mm. this podcast anytime soon, are we? Not this year, anyway. Not Not next year. year. (laughs) <laughs> no well there are always more and more topics to talk about um yeah so why don't we get straight to it we're, we're, we're talking about skyfish 
Skyfish, also known as flying rods. Yeah, um, air rods. Or... Air rods, yeah. Heard them called that. Oh, so, so. Um, yeah, they're an interesting phenomenon. So people only really became aware of them back in the 1990s uh, as they started appearing as artifacts on video footage. Uh, mm. Rarely can they be seen with the naked eye, although a few people do claim to have seen them. Um, but it is hearsay uh, mm. what they claim. Um, really, have... only only in the nineteen nineties. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's no no record of them prior to that. Uh, now, in terms of sort of video, the nineteen nineties is kind of when the video revolution began um prior to then filming equipment like video fit you, you, you had your old cine equipment mm. um but 1990s is when digital really came into its own mm. uh, and people started recording their own footage much much more well they, they'd had um they'd had video recorders hadn't they they'd had beat, um you know, Betamax, as a VHS, <laughs> yeah, um, tape, vid- tape video cameras. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but we had one, and you had um, it, it, it came with a special little tape mm-hmm. that fitted. It was smaller size tape, and then there was kind of an adapter you could sort of put it inside a big you know, the size tape that would go yes. into your in, into the one attached to your TV, and it was stretched stretched the tape out and eight eight millimeter super eight they used to call it. Oh no, that was film, wasn't it? Film. Yeah. We had um, standard eight and super eight. Yeah. Um, super eight gave you the ability to record sound. Super eight mm. did. Super eight was something we had as kids. It was as you know, primary school children. Mm. We had um, we had a, an eight millimeter projector and some old films, and then we then we got a, a camera mm-hmm. a few years later. And my brother had this clockwork camera that, that worked quite well. A clockwork one, wow. yeah. I've not heard about those. Um, when I was a when I was a small child, uh, my father had a a cine camera and a projector, mm. so there is actually footage of me as a three year old uh, somewhere on a VHS tape that I need to transfer to digital. Yeah. And you know, be making that public. <laughs> we, we would have these evenings at home when you get set up the projector and uh, set up the screen, and we'd all sit round and. Watch yeah. these films. Of course, yeah, a lot of it was the excitement of seeing ourselves on mm. screen, which is as old as film itself. I mean, some of the first silly films that were taken were taken of things like um, taken at the factory gates at knocking off time and mm. see all the workers coming out, or they'd be t- taken on the high street and whatever. People would go to the cinema you know, in the 1910s or even earlier in the hope of seeing themselves on film. Yeah, that was their big, thing. and they go back time and time again. They were hugely successful, although obviously didn't travel very far. If you shot your footage in Blackburn or Sheffield, it tended only to be watched there. Yes, yes, the interest would only be there. But long uh, yeah. before Andy Warhol came onto the scene with his famous quote about fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah, but people were still getting there. They had a few seconds mm. of fame, and they'd be excited to spot themselves. That's I suppose it. it's like if, if you've done film extra work, you might then uh, you think, oh, well, I think I might have been in shot. You know, I'll, I'll go and watch it in the cinema to see myself. I've seen myself on the big screen a few times, mm. um, doing doing odd things. 
I suppose as actors, that's we stand a bit more chance of seeing ourselves yeah, yeah. On, on film than most people. But and, uh, and it's always nice when someone gets in touch and says, "Oh, I went to the pictures and I saw you there." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so coming back onto onto this, so yeah, nineties is when this uh, this phenomenon started. Now, some of our listeners. Mm. might be wondering why we're covering this topic because about 10 years ago this this subject was considered to have been completely solved and closed and that's it end of story and i imagine that in your research this is what you've come across i've come across this year completely solved um do you want me to say what the solution is yeah go, go okay you, you explain the solution what they found was that it was it was flying insects, but during long exposures they would be elongated, so you get this blurry, you get like a, a, a long creature with lots of sets of wings along it, apparently flying along. But it was it was because of a long a long exposure. Mm-hmm. In in China Central Television CCTV, um, set up a documentary. They they um, that's it. They they set up a huge. They set up these huge nets where these flying rods had been seen to try and capture the to capture them. Um, nets and surveillance cameras, and they they saw the, the the flying rods on the cameras. But then when they checked the nets, all they found were regular moths and mm-hmm. ordinary flying insects. So that was kind of the explanation. It is this, it is this um, this effect you get, and as you say, it's something particular to digital photography yes um, it i is. mean is it something like i mean if you see footage of say a war zone and or footage of a helicopter um on the old analog television or video film or whatever you would see the rotor blades as just this blur wouldn't you to see this mm. you couldn't you couldn't make out the individual blades in fact you, you couldn't even see it you'd just be this blur above the vehicle yes. but on digital you get this really weird effect where it looks like they're there's sort of jerking round really slowly and you can in see reverse the in fact yeah yeah and there's no oh is that the, like the wagon wheel effect on in westerns that's exactly it that, that, that's yeah exactly you watch westerns it. the wheels seem to be going around the wrong way yes um so there are a couple of things going on with that uh, mm. just to go into this explanation a bit a bit deeper mm. one is you only tended to get skyfish footage or, or it was more common let's say at night mm-hmm. when your exposure so you your shutter of your camera it, even digital cameras it works the principle is the same that it just opens and closes and takes an image a still image mm. and then it does it again and mm. it does it again and it does this many many times per second um in fact this is what we call frames per second mm. uh, a standard amount of frames per second will be 30. So you get 30 still images mm. put in sequence and that makes a second of footage. Mm. Now, how quickly that shutter opens and closes depends on how dark it is. The darker it is, the less light there is, the longer it has to stay open mm. in order to, uh, to, to get as much light in. Of Which course, slows down your frame rate as well. It... <sighs> It, it, yes, and I mean when we say about it, it it um, 
staying open longer. I mean, it's still absolute fractions, tiny, tiny fractions of a second. So if you're talking about a 30 frame per second mm. footage, generally speaking, it's not going to slow that down. If you're talking a thousand frames per second or, or the incredibly high speed footage that, that comes out, yes, that would that would impact on it. But but generally speaking, and especially for the 90s, less so. Um, TV, for example, runs at 24 frames per second as mm. a standard. Um, 30 frames per second is considered to be more cinematic. Cinematic. Uh, there you go. Um, but, um, yeah, so, it, so it's just that the shutter's open just for that fraction longer, just to get more light in. But, of course, as it does that, there's more chance of an object in motion blurring. Mm. the longer the shutter's open. And this is one of the effects that that people are saying is causing these skyfish, is you've got an insect flying so fast across the screen that as the shutter is open, it's moved, you know, two foot, just in that fraction of a second. Um, I mean, do you get blurring with digital? Yes. Yes. Most, uh, it's a reason why uh, on film sets, you, you'll have experienced this yourself, on film sets, as well as having your, your film cameras there, which are incredibly mm. high, you know, high level, really expensive, really good quality footage, they'll have a stills photographer there as well, because stills photography is a different science Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm breaking this down to its basis, but yeah, it's a different science. And stills photography is much better quality than film when you look at it per frame. Per frame, it's usually mm. a little bit blurred as movements happening, but as you see it all, all the frames together, it just looks mm. like the person is moving. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think the human eye works at they, they've estimated it. Oh. I'm working from memory, so apologies if I get this wrong, but I think it's about 200 frames per second. Okay. That's what they estimate it to be at. Um, so, yeah, so so even the human eye is going to see it as a little bit blurred, but we're used to that. That's just what motion looks like. So that's one part of it. Another part is, and this is getting a bit more technical now, uh, mm-hmm. what they call interlaced video. So if you've got a slower... Uh, slower frames per second and things like CCTV footage where storage is an absolute premium where you you want as few frames as possible they will use what's called interlaced footage Hmm. so you'll have frame 1 and frame 2 and there might be 10 frames per second in that footage now to the human eye if you just watch that it's going to look very stuttery very jerky and in fact mm. some some ctv footage does look like that so what they do they use a, a system called interlaced video where if you've got frame one and frame two and there's a gap between them they'll take frame one and frame two and create a third frame between them by overlaying the two images so you get like a double exposure okay and because you're seeing it so quickly, that just looks like movement and, and the human eye to the human eye, that looks fine. It it reduces that stuttering. And effect. I, I did this bizarre job once years ago, and they were calibrating the CCTV for a, a for public transport for a bus. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. I was on a, a double-decker London bus, and it's as you say, they wanted to have the the shutter speed going as low as possible, so that the the footage would last longer. That they yeah. they that they, 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 they would be able to get as much store you know, storage is an issue, but they had to balance that against actually getting viewable and usable images. Mm. So what I had to do when they said go, I, I was sat behind this woman at the back of a bus. This is one of these ones. The stairs were towards the front of the bus. Mm-hmm. I had to grab her handbag and run as fast as I could down the bus, down the steps, and off the bus. And yep. then they would check the footage to see if they actually had something usable. That they actually got the moment when I was snatching the bag off her and actually got my face. Yes, because what like let's say it's one frame per second. Mm. One second is a long period of time. It, it doesn't yeah. sound long, but in a, a split second moment like that, yeah, mm. it's important that you have enough frames to capture what's actually going on. So, yeah, um, so that's a, a perfect example there. Um, yeah. So, whew, all that <laughs> together, um, it is sad causes. This skyfish effect. Mm. Now, I think with the more recent uh, revelations about orbs and about uh, actual UAPs, you know, it, it, it's it's no longer a if they exist thing. We know mm. they exist. Now, that's official. That's confirmed. Uh, it, it's more, what are they? So, in those times, I think it's worth revisiting this. Because there are still some anomalies. Mm. For example, there have been cases of skyfish or flying rods captured in bright daylight with extremely high-speed cameras. So, 100 frames per second. So what they're saying is this isn't a blurred image. What you're seeing is actually what the thing looks like. Well, it's still a little... Every piece of footage of Skyfish looks a little bit blurred. Mm. Which is, okay, supporting this argument that that it's this visual effect. But for it to be blurred on a high-speed camera means it is moving way faster than than insects can move. Mm. Now, there are other aspects to this as well. For one thing, I'm, I'm guessing you'll have looked at some footage of the skyfish. Yeah, I've seen some well pictures. Yeah. The rods themselves look quite well defined. Mm. If it was a moth flying through the screen, it'd be just a mass fuzzy blur. Mm. You'd also get trails behind it because what happens as in in, in these cases of footage, um when an object moves fast across a screen, it diminishes the amount of light that's bouncing off it going into the lens diminishes as it moves away. So rather than it just looking like a solid object moving across the screen, you'd have a solid head to it, and then it'd be like a bit like a comet trail, sort of behind hmm. it, something an image sort of fading off. That's not what you get with skyfish. Hmm. So that's an interesting aspect. They appear 
to be bioluminescent as well. Nobody's talked about this that I can find. In total darkness, you'll get a skyfish flying, flashing across the screen and it appears to be generating its own light. Mm. Moths don't generate... Fireflies do, obviously. There are insects that do generate their own light, but moths generally don't, that I'm aware of. They'd be bashing into each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they'd be chasing each other, wouldn't they, obviously? They're drawn to the light. So that, I find, an, an interesting aspect to it. I'm putting that together with... that. There was a ufologist back in the 1950s. Um, we, we need to do an episode about him at some point. Really interesting chap. Or certainly came up with some interesting theories. A uh, guy called Trevor James Constable. He proposed this idea that what we're seeing as UFOs are transdimensional amorphous objects. Hmm. He proposed the idea that, it, it was his belief, that certain creatures, certain transdimensional creatures, could only be detected in the infrared spectrum. Now, here's another interesting aspect of cameras going digital and back in the 90s as they are, they started recording images that, that dips into the infrared in a way that had never been done before. I of mean, course we, had, we had infrared cameras before that, but that was all in the lens, yeah, but not in the actual as, recording. As, as cameras and optical equipment develop, they're going to develop to be able to see... A, a range, a spectrum that's wider than the human eye can see. Yes. I mean, infrared just enables us to see... It's We're seeing the same stuff. It just means we can see it at night. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's possible that we go into... The, there's stuff around us that we don't have the, the senses to perceive. Mm. Exactly. So and that we're going to develop equipment that suddenly can find these things. Which... If you look at it like with you with your kind of head skewed in that direction, that you know, if these are transdimensional creatures that only appear in the infrared, then the nineties, when suddenly cameras are accessible to far more people and start capturing infrared in ways that hadn't been done before, mm. and suddenly these things were appearing. As as of right now, we only have competing theories as to what they might be. It's some kind of trick of the light. It's it, it's whatever. It's something the cameras are picking up that we, we hadn't seen before. That's outside the normal spectrum. We do. Um, here here's the other thing. Why I'm hesitant to to go straight down the oh, it's the way cameras work. Hmm. There's no reason why the original cine cameras wouldn't have picked up moths. Like, if this visual effect is right, there's no reason why they wouldn't have picked them up in the same way that cameras do now. But we never caught them. Hmm. We've seen moths flying across the screen with video cameras before, certainly before the 90s. 
but they never had that effect. And there's no reason mm. why they wouldn't have done if that explanation is correct. Yes, okay. things like interlacing would, would enhance that effect. Mm. But you still, you've got a square of film footage that you are exposing an image onto, and then the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. Yeah, in that regard, digital's no different. It's just the way it's stored, the way it captures the image. That's mm. all that's different. You're but it's still doing talking something... about frames. Still frames. Mm. It's still doing something different and picking up these things, or has the possibility been started that actually the digital camera is creating these things out of nothing, that there's some kind of glitch in the system? I... <sighs> I've not seen that specific theory myself. Um, but if these are things that have only been seen by these cameras, is it possible that the camera's creating them? It's some kind of flaw? Then it should be recreatable. Mm. Um, yeah, there's there's no reason why, given the same set of circumstances, you wouldn't get them all the time. Uh, and when you do get glitches or artifacts caused by faults or defects, mm. things like that, um, they're static because that fault or defect stays with the camera regardless of where the camera's pointing. It doesn't mm. move across the lens. But are there cases where someone's making a movie, you know, making a Hollywood movie perhaps, mm -hmm. and they get this footage and they look at, look at it back and they say, well, wait a minute, what's that flying across the screen? We... We can't use that. That's there's something, you know, like a hair in the gate or whatever. But it's there's something there. Oh, that's ruined that take. Let's go to the next one. I mean, um, we know that that happens. I've never heard of that happening because of Skyfish. But th there must be someone thinking, well, what is it? This <laughs> there's an awful lot of money at stake when you when mm -hmm. you're doing a take on a Hollywood film. Um, especially if you're doing a big action scene or something, and then you play it back, and there's all this. Well, basically, interference on on the on the image mm -hmm. stuff stuff that you don't want there, want to see there, um, which means you've got to shoot it again. I mean, if it's enough to ruin the shot, you'd think there will be someone looking into what's actually what is that? The director's going to say, "What is that?" And you're going to say, "Well, I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. just something we get every now and then, you know." We it's think a great it might question. be we think it might be interdimensional beings. Well, this film isn't about <laughs> interdimensional beings. I don't want those. Okay, set it all up, get some new cars, get some new stuntmen, and we're gonna do another take. Usually when there is um an artifact in the it's easier just to cover it up in post. So it's yeah. quite possible that these things are happening in Hollywood films, they're just covering them up. Yeah. It's a cover up. It's a cover up <laughs> all along. <laughs> <laughs> because this film isn't about that, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, artifacts do happen. Um, when we talk about artifacts, we're talking about things that appear in the lens that that shouldn't be there, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, a hair, a hair getting stuck on the lens is a is a classic one. You get that on mm. more on budget movies, but um, yeah. But you see it in old films sometimes, there'll be a, you can see the hair there. That's... Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, and it'll wobble about quite yeah. a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't tend to happen on you. Didn't happen in Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Whew. 
what do you think? What do you make of of these things? Having talked it through, um, it's interesting, isn't it? It's something which, yeah, when you look it up, it's something that mystified people for a bit. Then they realised it was blurred insects flying at speed and creating this effect. And now people are saying, well, actually, no, we've got these faster cameras now, and we're still seeing it, and it can't be down to that. So well, it's it's me to be quite yeah. fair. People, generally speaking, are just saying, "Well, it, it's an explained phenomenon." And I imagine there's mm. a lot of our listeners out there who are saying the same thing. But it's an explained phenomenon. But mm. I, I honestly just this is me speaking now, not okay. not representing parts of the community or anything. I just I really feel there is something else to look into. It, it might be a mundane explanation, but. Mm. The, the explanation that's given just doesn't... It's not sitting right with me. It's mm. not sitting right. There is more... There There's it, still too many questions for my liking. But I still think it's more to do with our, our understanding of the nature of light than, than it is to do with a living creature or a, an interdimensional being. Or our understanding of the nature of the universe, yes. Or our understanding of the nature of the universe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That it's something that's there, it's around us all the time. Like like the, those orbs, those thousands of orbs that you can certain, mm. see at certain, with certain equipment. Yeah. Is that just the way light is, really? Or it can be seen in a certain way? It's, it's an interesting one, to be sure, and... Um, and as ever, I'd, I'd really like to hear what our listeners think about Skyfish. Like, mm. do you do, do you listen? Do you remain convinced that it is just an optical illusion to do with cameras, or having listened to this and the, the discussion, do you agree with me that there's something else to it? Um, if you had to sit on one side of the fence, Neil, which side would it be? Um, I'm still, I'm still leaning towards optical illusion. Okay. I mean, it's 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 interesting that because uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, re- said it was an optical illusion created by a slower recording speed of a camera. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're picking up similar things, well, actually, they're not similar things. They're slightly, they're slightly different things on um, faster camera speeds. Uh, the same um, things in some cases. Well, the same things, but um, but yeah, it it can't be fully explained by the slower recording speed of a camera. Mm. So I still think it's something to do that with that. Hmm. I I I can I That's, can accept that, mm. but I just think before we rule out. Not ruling anything out. No, yeah. that's it. Yeah, can't rule it out. If I had, if I'm, if I had to come down on one side of the fence or the other, I'm still going with optical illusion. But I'm open to the possibility that it could be something else that's beyond our understanding right now. That's it. The mind is like a parachute. If it's not open, it's not working. Mm. <laughs> well, let us know what you think, listeners. Uh, you can contact us via the usual means to let us know. You can email us, aliensexplored at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or X, as it is now. 
Um, and of course, you, our YouTube channel as well, if you search Aliens Explored and, uh, and do give us a like and subscribe on there. That would be fantastic. Uh, join us next time, though, when we will be going back to 1994 Zimbabwe and we will be discussing a very important case in ufology history, the aerial school incident. Mm. So you don't want to miss that one. In the meantime, keep watching through those camera lenses with the naked eye through telescopes and everywhere else, but just make sure you keep watching those skies. Take care for now. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.